Hello, and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's by uh, Deep Blue Something. And I know it sounds like I screwed up the name of the band, but to be honest, I didn't. That actually is their name, Deep Blue Something. And uh, this is a, this is one of those uh, songs from the 90s that was very, very catchy, very, very entertaining, and could be done mostly in three chords on a guitar. That was one of the things I loved about certain 90s bands. They could literally play the same three chords on a guitar and each song would feel like it was different every time so I think it's a great a great talent that 90s uh, singer 90s singers and performers had and it's a prime example of like how in professional wrestling sometimes less is more you know like wrestlers who have like a short amount of moves as long as they can put the moves in the right place at the right time it's a lot more entertaining than a guy who just jumps around the ring like a fucking circus monkey so uh, definitely this is a great song and one thing I learned about this song was that the band actually admitted that their favorite Audrey Hepburn film was actually Roman Holiday, but it didn't translate into a song lyric as well as Breakfast at Tiffany's, so they used Breakfast at Tiffany's, but, you know, they actually wanted to say, us, and and you know what, now that I think about it, it actually would have changed the song a little bit. And I said, what about Roman Holiday? She said, I think I remember the film and as I recall, I think we both kind of like it and I said well that's the one thing we got doesn't quite roll off the tongue as well as good as and I said what about breakfast at Tiffany's she said I think I remember the film and as I recall I think we both kind of liked it and I said well that's the one thing we got yeah breakfast at Tiffany's definitely works better than Roman Holiday and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that classic 90s song and and uh, we'll have plenty of more great songs uh, coming up on the Boochcast. We'll have about one more to go because we'll have like one more segment after this. And then uh, I'll have plenty more coming uh, the next time I return with the Boochcast. And that was Deep Blue Something with Breakfast at Tiffany's here on the Boochcast. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to jump right in to the recaps of NXT. That's right. We got a lot of NXT ground to cover, but uh, most of this segment's going to revolve around TakeOver Philadelphia because I'll be honest, there's only a couple of moments that I liked from each episode of NXT, and I'm just going to go over them right now. Uh, Right now, we're going to go to NXT. This is from January 24th, uh, 2018. This is the go-home NXT before Philadelphia. And to be honest, when I looked at this show, there was only two things I saw that were worth talking about, and I'm going to get into them right now. The first is Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler going face-to-face. They had a face-to-face sit-down interview prior to their match at TakeOver Philadelphia, and one thing I want to say is, Ember Moon definitely is coming into her own as a character. Now, Ember Moon's promo was very much uh, white meat babyface, but Ember Moon's delivery and her movement and her and her swagger, as well as the bright red contacts she puts into her eyes to make herself look even more creepy. When you blend it all together, it really shows uh, a great intimidating character. Uh, Obviously the promo was, like I said, very white meat babyface. A lot of fans didn't like it because it felt a little weird but uh, at the same time uh, Ember Moon hasn't gotten a lot of mic time uh, in NXT. She hasn't been talking very much. In fact, there's a lot of people who haven't gotten a lot of promo time so this is a chance for Ember Moon to really develop her character on the mic. That's why last time you know, she sounded a little intimidating 
ink, but not quite much. And Shayna Baszler just very comfortable in her environment because as a former UFC uh, fighter, you know, she's done a lot of sit-down interviews and sit-down promos to hype up her fights before she got into the octagon. So Shayna Baszler is definitely going to be a better talker than Ember Moon in the sense that the UFC women get a lot of mic time. So that's just a natural environment for her. Uh, And also, people need to understand one thing about NXT. And this is a conversation that I've had with many people in the past. As big as NXT is, and even though there's a lot of big stars that have come through from other promotions, the one thing people have to remember about NXT is that it is still a developmental territory. It is still developmental. This is still the minor leagues of WWE. No matter how big it gets, no matter how many stars from Ring of Honor or New Japan or TNA that come through this promotion, at the end of the day, it is still their minor league and developmental. And there are going to be some people that are just going to be homegrown developmental talent or some people that are that are that came from an indie promotion but weren't at a lot of the big name leagues. So this is this should be the place where you are allowed to fail. You are allowed to make mistakes. In NXT, you're allowed to have an idea, try it and watch it fail and then regroup and start again because that is how you learn. You have to learn through failure. Will Smith gave that best quote even though now granted Will Smith's not a wrestler, but it's still a true statement. You have to be allowed to make mistakes in NXT. In NXT, we have to learn as wrestling fans to not be too overly critical. Now, obviously, as a wrestling analyst, I have to be critical, but even though I'm going to be very critical with NXT, and I can be at times, I try my best not to be too harsh. Unless it's with wrestlers that I know should know better. Then, I'm going to go in another direction with that. But, Ember Moon is still developing her character. She's great in the ring. Amazing in the ring. But she has not had a chance to develop Mike promo skills, as well as develop really develop her character into that promo skill. So I think that Ember Moon is slowly but surely taking care of that, and I believe she is making progress, and I think over time, if she gets more chances to speak, she will eventually come into her own completely, and when it comes time for Ember Moon to get caught up to the main roster, which won't be for a long time, and shouldn't be for a long time, she should be NXT Women's Champion for as long as she can carry that belt, and when she gets to the main roster, she will be ready to fight with the best of them and talk with the best of them. So again, that's something we need to remember as NXT fans. This is still developmental. This is a chance where they are allowed to try and fail and regroup. Now on the main roster, we can be as critical as we want. Because when you get to the main roster, you should be ready. And if you're not ready, it's either it's 50% the talent's fault and 50% Triple H's fault. Because he should be able to look at these wrestlers and know that they're ready. And he and if he knows Vince McMahon's going to want to call one of these wrestlers up, whether it be a man, woman, whatever, he should make sure that person is 100% groomed. If you know somebody is on the cusp of an NXT call-up, you need to get that person ready. They need to get that person ready. But like I said before, this is NXT. We need to learn to not be too critical of the NXT talent and understand this is their this is the this is their arena this is their venue this is their training ground this is where they need to work it hone it and get ready for the main roster and to adapt to the WWE style of doing things 
But like I said, great sit-down interview, great preparation uh, for the match at TakeOver Philadelphia. And of course, after that, the match of the night, the only match even remotely worth talking about, Johnny Gargano versus Velveteen Dream. This was without a doubt a amazing match from start to finish. These two left it all on the line and at times it looked like Velveteen Dream was gonna go to Philadelphia and to be honest I would have been perfectly okay with Velveteen Dream going to Philadelphia because like I said before Velveteen Dream has earned the right to fight for the NXT title and he has every right to become NXT champion in the future. This guy is a star and he solidified that in his match with Aleister Black. I have said it before and I will say it again. Aleister won the fight. Velveteen won the night. That is how that match definitely went. And this match was no different. Velveteen won the night but Gargano was able to get the 1-2-3 and go on to take over Philadelphia to face Andrade Cien Almas. So still a hell of a match. Gargano proving it wasn't a fluke. And like I said before, he definitely should have had this match because Gargano would have never got into this tournament if Velveteen Dream hadn't gotten injured and who knows maybe Velveteen Dream if he was in the tournament probably would have been booked to win the tournament probably wouldn't have been up against Andrade Cien Almas and he probably would have won the NXT championship but due to injury Velveteen had to be sidelined eventually he was cleared to come back he had this great match with Gargano and I look forward to seeing Velveteen Dream in the future kicking ass and taking names because he is a true talent all right and on that note ladies and gentlemen we will now jump into NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. A lot of great matches took place on this card and the first official match of the evening for the NXT Tag Team Championships. The Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly go up against the defend the titles against the Authors of Pain. And this match was hard-hitting and amazing. I I gotta tell you this right now. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly impressed me completely with their tag team prowess. These guys worked so well together as a team. It was insane. I remember watching these. I love watching these guys, you know, you know, double team the Authors of Pain, chop blocking the legs, locking in submissions, doing drop kicks that led into submissions. These two truly worked together as a team to try and take down the Authors of Pain. And it was believable from start to finish. They made this match look great. Because you're wondering, how can these big guys, the Authors of Pain, who literally tossed Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly around like rag dolls throughout half the fight were possibly going to get the win. But by a booking standpoint, they made it believable. They made it work. They arranged it so that they were chopping them down by the legs. They were taking out the big guys. How do you do that? Then, of course, they go for the uh, the super collider. But then, oh, you know, eventually, Akeem, basically, uh, there's a Huracurana. Akeem collides with Razor. And then O'Reilly, ring, O'Reilly rolls Akeem up. One, two, three. Three, the Undisputed Era retains the tag team titles like I knew they would. And I knew they were going to because obviously the Authors of Pain, uh, it looks like they're out the door. They're eventually going to be going to the main roster now. They haven't debuted on the main roster yet. And I still, in all honesty, have no idea why. I honestly thought we were going to see them on either Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live the night after the Royal Rumble. But thus far, we have not seen the Authors of Pain 
Kane on the main roster. I hope they're getting called up soon because I think eventually either the Usos or the Bar are going to need opponents for WrestleMania. And if it looks like on the SmackDown side, the Bludgeon Brothers might be coming for the Usos SmackDown tag team titles, which would make sense because they've beaten every other tag team. This is the only tag team left. And obviously the Bludgeon Brothers are due to win those belts at this point. So I think it would make sense for the bar, they're going to need a tag team eventually to face, especially since Jason Jordan is apparently out with a neck injury, so it looks like him and Seth Rollins won't be getting their rematch. Um, Also, you know, I don't know who else Seth's going to team up with because uh, it looks like Roman Reigns is going into the Elimination Chamber, and of course, uh, Dean Ambrose still isn't back from his injury, so unless Dean Ambrose gets healed up in time for either the Elimination Chamber or WrestleMania, you're going to need a credible tag team to face the bar. So I I say, call up the Authors of Pain, let them step into the ring with the bar, take the Raw Tag Team titles, and let them dominate for a while. That's what I would do, you know, at this point. As you know, if Dean's not going to make it back for Mania, then you might as well give it to the bar. But if Dean can make it back for Mania, then naturally you would want Seth and Dean to win the tag belts so that when Roman Reigns becomes Universal Champion, everything will make sense and they can truly be a dominant force in WWE again. And of course, by they, I'm talking about, of course, The Shield. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Velveteen Dream versus Cassius Ono. This is where uh, Velveteen Dream uh, promised a 30-second or less knockout on Cassius Ono. And obviously, Velveteen Dream knocks down Cassius Ono. But Velveteen celebrates a little too early because he's forgetting he has to pin Cassius Ono. So Cassius gets up, hits his uh, forearm finisher. I start freaking out because I'm worried that Cassius Ono is going to pin and take out Velveteen. Velveteen Dream in a matter of seconds. And if that's the case, I'm going to be pissed because A, I believe Velveteen Dream deserves to be pushed to the moon, and to, and B, I despise Cassius Ono because he is so untalented, uncoordinated. I cannot believe he is still in NXT. And I know I said before, you shouldn't be too critical of NXT guys, but because there's been so much overrated hype surrounding Cassius Ono and everybody bragging about how fucking great he is, it, he's not living up to that hype. So it's hard for me to not be critical of Cassius Ono. But of course, either way, the match ends up becoming great. Velveteen Dream carries Cassius Ono to a decent performance. In the end, Velveteen Dream hits the Purple Rainmaker on Ono for the win. And I love the fact that he did it from from the top of the ring post instead of off the top rope. Like he climbed, he climbed up, he got on the top turnbuckle, then he got on the top of the ring post, jumped all the way over that, hit the elbow on Cassius Ono, and scored the one, two, three. So I'm glad Velveteen Dream got the win. Uh, too bad it wasn't in 30 seconds or less. That would have been a great, great moment for the show. But either way, we got a great, decent 10 minute, 45 second match. And in the end, Velveteen Dream won, which means justice was served. And on that note, We're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the NXT Women's Championship. Ember Moon defends the title against Shayna Baszler. This was one of the best storytelling matches I have ever seen. This is a great women's match. I would put this right up there with Sasha Banks and Bayley at the first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. That is how big this match was. First of all, Shayna Baszler locking in the cross arm breaker. Ember Moon never tapping out. Always finding a way to either get to the ropes or counter something or do something crazy to get out of the hold. She fought like a true champion and she never 
once buried the hold. She never once buried the hold, which was great. And in the end, Baszler applies a cross arm breaker. Moon counters into a pin for the one, two, three. And then after the match, Baszler attacks Moon and applies the uh, Kirifuda clutch on Moon and, pa- and makes her pass out. But before that, you know, Shayna Baszler sitting in the corner all shocked. Can't believe she lost the match. But what was great was the fact that after the pin, Ember Moon is still holding on to her shoulder and her arm realizing it. she took a beating. And of course, she went out the next night for the Royal Rumble and her whole arm was taped up. So that's what was great about this was that Ember Moon found a way to win where Shayna Baszler ended up screwing herself over. Great storytelling. Not only that, she never once buried the hold. She sold the injury from that arm breaker all the way to the back. All the way to when uh, Shayna eventually choked her out. But that's what was great. And of course, Shayna looking shocked and disappointed in herself that she made a rookie mistake. So overall, this match was perfection. It was perfection. This was everything a a wrestling fan could want in a wrestling match. Great in-ring action, amazing storytelling, a shocking finish, and, uh, and at the end of it, still selling the finish. That's what was great. Still selling it all the way throughout. That was amazing. And also, speaking of selling finishes, I gotta go back real quick and give props to Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly as well. The fact that after they won their match, they were still limping all the way to the back. They never, they never no-sold what happened. They sold the injuries from the Office of Pain all the way to the back and let them know we won by the skin of our teeth. Again, great storytelling. This is something that's been lacking in NXT up until recently. We've seen a lot of great wrestling, but we don't always see a lot of great storytelling. And that is what we're starting to see more of in NXT and I'm getting very impressed with the people that are being great storytellers because I would not expect that from those particular stars. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. Alistair Black goes one-on-one against Adam Cole, baby! In an Extreme Rules match. And this was a true Extreme Rules match. There was tables, there was chairs, there was violence galore. In the end, Cole performs a super kick on Black into a chair who fell through two tables outside the ring, scored a near fall. Black performed a Death Valley driver on Cole onto two chairs, which looked painful as fuck. Then, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish interfered and performed total elimination on Black. Sanity appears and attacks Fish and O'Reilly, with Dane performing a suicide dive on Fish, O'Reilly, Young, and Wolf. Black performs a double foot stomp on Cole through the announce table. Black then performs the Black Mass on Cole. One, two, three. Alistair Black picks up the win. And I gotta say, great win right here for Alistair Black. And again, great match between these two. They made this Extreme Rules match extreme, especially in Philadelphia, which is the home of ECW. So it was only fitting that an Extreme Rules match would come to NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. And they picked the two perfect guys to do it. Guys who were not afraid to dish out serious violence. And if there's one match that needed to be violent, it was this one. In fact, if there was one match that actually needed blood, it was this one. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing a little blood in the match. I really wouldn't. Now, don't get me wrong, it was still a great match without the blood. I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just saying it would have been nice to see a little blood, especially with the ECW vibe that it was giving this match. I would have liked to have seen that. You know, I think it would have been great. I think it would have added a lot more realism to the match, but, you know, that's just a personal preference of mine. It doesn't make or break how great the match was. It was fantastic. 
fantastic and amazing all around from both these gentlemen. And then we move on to the main event of the evening. Andrade Cien Amas defends the NXT Championship against Johnny Gargano. I gotta be honest, I didn't enjoy this match. I didn't at all. This was, there was a lot of stupid, now granted, the in-ring wrestling was great. I expected nothing less. But everything surrounding the match pissed me off. First of all, don't like Zelina Vega's excessive interference. Gator has said this before and I 1000% agree with him. If you are a manager, you get two spots where you get to cheat for your client. And I don't like the fact that Zelina Vega is performing Huracaranas onto male wrestlers. Not liking it. The reason I don't like it is because the fact that they're female and WWE's all politically correct. There's no receipt for the woman performing the move. There isn't. The only receipt that came from this was when Candice LeRae eventually jumped the barricade and attacked Vega and chased her out of the arena. Now, the moment Candice LeRae showed up in the match that should have been the setup for Johnny Gargano to win the NXT Championship if you weren't going to put the belt on Johnny Gargano then you were better off not involving Candice LeRae at all because the fact that Almas after that was able to get the 1-2-3 and you know still win the match basically means he didn't really need the manager to begin with because by that time it was pretty much viewed as a clean win now me I don't consider clean because there was still interference, but let's be honest, at that point Gargano just messed up, you know? Almas hit his elevated uh, hammerlock DDT, retained the title for reasons I still don't know why, because he's a terrible, shitty champion. Andrade Cien Almas is shit. Yes, he has a manager, but the manager is shit too. It's goddamn ridiculous. It's not entertaining. It's a waste of TV time. He is not a main event player and should not be treated as such. The only interesting thing about it was that after the match, as Gargano and Larray left, Tommaso Ciampa made a return from injury and attacked Gargano with a crutch. Now, granted, he still had a knee brace on, so I don't think he's returning to the ring exactly just yet, but I think we're going to see him cut a lot of promos in the meantime, in between time, leading up to the next TakeOver, which I think will be in April. I think there's going to be an NXT TakeOver New Orleans, and I think Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are going to have their big, big match on that night. So I think we're going to have to wait until uh, WrestleMania weekend to see the big match between Gargano and Chomp. But I like the fact that Tommaso showed up at the end. Personally, I think Tommaso should have showed up and cost Gargano the match rather than come out at the end. I would have much rather seen him, you know, come out, you know, and just attack Johnny and then have Andrade pin him that way. I would have preferred that than the bullshit that I saw in that ring. So I'm sorry. Didn't like the finish. Didn't like the manager, excessive manager interference. Didn't like the fact that the wife showed up and it did nothing to sway the finish. I'm sorry. This main event was just screwed up on a massive level. So I can honestly say every match on the card, but the main event, I personally enjoyed. So NXT TakeOver Philadelphia is still a win to me, but this match was just a complete and total disappointment in my eyes. And on that note, I'm going to move on to the next NXT show here. We got, this is from uh, January 31st, 2018. This is uh, the, the NXT after TakeOver Philadelphia, which basically mean they do the same thing they do on every post-takeover show. They show highlights and, inter- and interviews from all the takeover matches, and then they show the three, basically the three dark matches, the pre-show, basically the three dark matches that took place prior to the NXT taping. This is what they kind of show in the ring to kind of uh, entertain the fans beforehand, and so they can air them on the next NXT.
NXT show, so they got matches to show us. That's why you never see them directly after the TakeOver show, because they just wrestle for those audi- for that audience. So basically, uh, this coming Wednesday is when we'll see all the stars from TakeOver Philadelphia get back in the ring. So on this particular show, only three major things worth talking about. First, great women's match between Nikki Cross and Lacey Evans. Uh, Lacey Evans is truly coming into her own as a character. I'm loving her as a heel. She's doing a great, fantastic job. Nikki Cross is coming into her own as a babyface. She's finding a way to use her craziness and her psychoness and still maintain a babyface-like demeanor. And I love the fact that Nikki Cross is able to blend all that together. That makes both these women a powerhouse talent. In the end, Nikki Cross was able to pick up the win, which is good for her, especially if it can eventually lead her to a NXT women's title down the road because she's definitely a future NXT women's champion. But I do know Lacey Evans will definitely be a champion as well because she's great in the ring, she's great on the mic, and she has that great ability to be a heel. She's great at it. She's stuck up. She's got that Southern Belle attitude, which means I'm proper, I'm classy, I'm better than you. It's great. She sells it very, very well. I am very impressed with Lacey Evans. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Uh, Some tag team action. The return of TM61 as they took on the Ely Brothers. First of all, great to see TM61 finally back in the ring. I don't know where they've been all this time, but I'm glad they're getting TV time, and I'm glad the Ely Brothers are too. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of these guys, as well as other tag teams, showing up in NXT more often, which is why I believe it. this is another clear indication that the authors of Pain are getting called up as well they should. We need to get them out of the way to make room for more tag teams to uh, get the spotlight and get more ring time and TV time and mic time and all that. Because like I said before, the authors of Pain, they're ready for the main roster. They've done everything they can in NXT. So it's great to see some more tag teams coming up through the fray. Amazing chemistry. In the end, TM61 picks up the win. They say they're the mighty. The mighty don't kneel. And they're definitely, in my opinion, future NXT tag team champions. The Ely brothers, I still don't quite know what they plan to do with them yet. If they're ever going to be a legit threat in the tag team division, or if they're just going to be a jobber team the whole time they're there. That's what I'm kind of worried about. And then, of course, after that, we have the main event of that night. Uh, Roderick Strong versus Tyler Bate, the winner to go compete for the WWE UK Championship. And Roderick Strong, shockingly, picked up the win, which I was not expecting. Uh, I kind of thought Tyler Bate was going to win again, and we're going to see him versus Pete Dunne again. But I love the fact that Roderick Strong is going for the belt. It's I don't even know if Roderick Strong qualifies as a UK wrestler, but I guess they're not limiting it to just the UK people anymore. Because I also know that a lot of the UK wrestlers are going to be going to 205 Live to take part in the Cruiserweight title tournament to crown a new Cruiserweight champion now that Enzo Amore is no longer with the company. So I think now that they're starting to make some of the UK guys cross over to 205 Live, it makes sense to start bringing in some more contenders for the UK championship. And I look forward to seeing what Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne uh, can bring to the table. And I would not be surprised if Roderick Strong became the next UK champion. If that was a way to get him out of the uh, world title picture, the NXT title picture for a while, um, while we continue to uh, develop certain rivalries and feuds and things of that nature. Um, and again, I, and I, as far as the status on Drew McIntyre, I don't know quite where he's at yet, but I hope he's coming back from injury soon because I would definitely love to see Drew McIntyre regain the NXT championship, especially if Gargano is going into a feud with Tommaso Ciampa. So that means Andrade 
Ray is going to need a challenger. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes my recap of NXT and NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. That's right. The biggest party of the summer comes to Ford Field in Detroit on Saturday, August the 5th, and we'll be getting together live on Twitch for WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you guys hang out with us. Come join us for the biggest party of the summer on pay-per-view. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and other special projects in the works for Twitch. And of course, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. Our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since over the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You get the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and to Take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host, you lose to be paid for their hard work. Anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to give Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. We're, we're making progress. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, aka the Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.